0: Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? You know, when we were trying to get this podcast off the ground, we had a lot of questions. How do you record an episode? How do I get the show into all the apps people like to listen to? You know, best of all, how do we like to make money off this podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to, po- to podcast right away. In fact, that's what we're doing right now by reading this ad. You know, I like to listen to, the, to my scary podcast during the week while I'm at work. And man, let me tell you, it just gets me in an extra zone so I can keep working all day long. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast and make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and a diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast.
1: And welcome back to another edition of the High Low Sports Podcast. I'm DJ, joined by Kelsey, and Kelsey week two of the NFL season what a doozy we have so far nothing we expected we're gonna go through pretty much each game and just tell us something you learned it could be about either team or it could just be about the league in general however you want to make it we're gonna start with the most recent one the Monday night game the Browns versus the Jets 23 to 3 the Browns rolled what's one thing you learned from that game the Jets are still terrible and it does not get any better like without Sam Darnold the Jets are useless and then you, on top of that, you take away their entire defense. base. it was Le'Veon Bell and Jamal Adams, and then they took Jamal Adams out late. Who little bit of speculation there about him not following that? Like a little bit of social media drama with that guy too. Yeah, no, that that uh, in, uh, another DB deciding
0: to come out and ask for a trade again. I mean, next thing we know, this is going to be the NBA, and everybody's going to be going everywhere in free like it just because they
1: voice their displeasure. exactly him jalen ramsey Fitzpatrick got traded it's just it's movement city i mean just jump on a plane and go if you want out get out i guess i mean
0: yeah it's you granted know,
1: in fairness to jamal he hasn't demanded a trader to set anything this is just pure speculation drama twitter tmz stuff going on right now yeah
0: it's, it's pretty much they're tired of losing it makes sense i
1: mean let's be honest he's a winner he yeah. doesn't want to lose like no nobody wants to lose and it you have to wonder what it's like in that locker room too, hearing about all this, because he understands all the injuries. Everyone knows you're missing C.J. Moses, Quinn, and Williams. Sam Donald's out. Then Trevor Simeon, your backup quarterback, gets hurt, and you're stuck with Luke Falk, who he's all right. I mean, he had an yeah. okay career at Washington State, but you can't expect him to jump in there and take over. I mean,
0: yeah, and you know, Trevor Simeon isn't a bad quarterback by any means. It's unfortunate he got injured, and you know, Luke Falk, uh, you know, he was one of those guys in that AAF or AAF or AAFL, whatever it is. That you know league that popped up over the summer and then went bankrupt. um You know he had a, he had a decent showing there, but he didn't really do much there either. So maybe he's just another one of those guys that just doesn't really do much. But yeah, and then also on top of that, the Jets have Tremaine Johnson, who got paid and then disappeared. But he has not played well for a season and a half now. It's it's awful. Tremaine Johnson with the Rams, Pro Bowl caliber corner. With the Jets, guy, just yeah. a guy. I mean he, you, you saw it. he like they weren't having any they benched him exactly like, you don't put good tape on the on the, in, in the in the room you don't play exactly
1: and the one thing I learned' we'll just I'll keep mine a lot quicker a lot more simple. O'dell's made for New York man even yeah, when man. he's in Cleveland he's a New Yorker at heart. So we'll move on to the next game now just to keep this rolling. Tampa Bay at Carolina the Thursday night game the Buccaneers hold on and beat Carolina 20 to 14 what's the how did, what'd you learn from this game? Uh, something's wrong with Cam something
0: you you look at that game he's missing wide open throws that he has always made going back to when he was at Florida you know like before he transferred from Florida like he has always made some of those throws that he just mailed, through short into the dirt
1: yeah I mean, I saw it was it.
0: it was weird I don't I don't know what's going on but something is not right
1: and the Panthers are not helping him I saw one stat, he leads the NFL in uncatchable passes. I think 34% of his passes have been uncatchable. That's a third of the times he's thrown the ball, which I know Cam's never been known as an accurate guy by means, but like not that ridiculous. I mean, this is, this is 50, 50, honestly, it's like, he's just punting it. And so that was kind of my only thing too, is we didn't learn anything from Tampa Bay. Jameis just didn't, Jameis is just healthier. Honestly, he didn't do anything special. He threw one touchdown. Cam didn't throw one. That was the only difference. Yeah. Christian McCaffrey, Tampa Bay, is like, we're going to stop that guy. Yep. And then, yeah, that's just pretty much it. Like, Christian McCaffrey's a stud. But there's only so much he can do against a 12-man box, I mean.
0: Yeah, and, and the one thing I'll add, you know, on the other side of the ball with Jameis, you know, we didn't really learn anything new about him, but... It, just still, it still just shocks me to see how many picks that guy has thrown in his short time in the NFL. And
1: it's not even just picks. It's the way he throws them and how they're basically repetitive. It's not like a defense fooling him or ones where it's like, they got me. They show cover four. They quickly switch to cover zero blitz, and it throws you off. Like yeah. It's just like they can run the same stock defense, and he just keeps throwing it to the other team. Exactly. Anyway, so move on to Baltimore and Arizona, the two fastest quarterbacks in the NFL. What's your takeaway?
0: Honestly, Lamar might might have actually turned a corner passing it. Uh, watching the highlights, I watched, watching the you know seeing some of the passes he made. Uh, he had a, he had a deep ball on to, to kind of ice the game away to Hollywood Brown. Absolutely pinpoint over the shoulder, you know the guy gives him five yards of space to put it on the on the sideline, and he per- puts it perfectly where only his man can catch it. I mean, and that was just like a. A little bit of what I saw from him. I mean, he is hitting his, he has two big body tight ends and he is hitting them square in the numbers. And, you know, what he's always done well is he can always put a line drive ball where he needs to, but now he's starting to show a little bit of touch. It's not great by any means. It's not, you know, number one draft pick overall, like, you know, that type of stuff. But to be honest, I, I could see him in the next two years, if he continues this momentum, becoming something to be afraid of. It, and honestly, it looks like if you took a Mike Vick film, and just put it in a mirror, so that way it shows him throwing right-handed.
1: Like that's what this reminds me of is seeing is, is watching early Mike Vick. I don't know if he has a fastball that Mike Vick had, but I know what you're getting. I uh-huh. see a guy that kills you with his legs, who can have moments with his arm. I want to see it carry on before I go to that go as far as you are. What I learned, I'm going to take this to a different angle. The Ravens defense is dead. The Ravens defense we grew up watching, all top five defense, crushing people. Those times are over, man. I mean, I know they destroyed the Dolphins last week, but we'll get to the Dolphins. That doesn't count. The Dolphins don't count for. They're they're a JV team right now. And Kyler Murray, I'm not saying he's not good, but it's his second start. And he pieced them up pretty easily, honestly. At yeah. least up and down the field. And the in the red zone, the Ravens defense held up, but I think that was more about the the Cardinals offense, honestly. Like, yeah, and you know, the one thing the Cardinals will always have is they still have Larry Fitzgerald, and he has
0: done well with the young receivers there, teaching them some tricks. Christian I Kirk mean, looked nice on on Sunday, and and Kyler did put. A couple nice balls here and there. He threw he threw some guys open when he didn't need to, but he got bailed
1: out a lot by some laps and coverages. I just, basically, we grew up, and since their existence, but honestly, since Ray Lewis was drafted, Baltimore's been a defensive team for the most part. I yeah. think that time is done right now. Whether Lamar's going to transcend them into an explosive offense, I don't know, but I think the Ravens' top ten on defense, I think that's done for this year. I agree. Anyway, so next we got San Francisco taking it to Cincinnati 41-17. to I'll let you go first on this one as I smile <sighs> with a big old grin. You know,
0: the one thing I learned from this is never trust a tight end in fantasy football. <laughs> I have George Kittle, and the 49ers absolutely piece up the Bengals, but George Kittle gives me like four points. I mean, he got you like six, he got 68. So. You know what? Mm-hmm. He's the top tight end fantasy wise last year and gets me jack and Crack this time
1: to be fair I, that is part of the reason i picked the niners to win so many games is because as jimmy gets more and more healthy coming off that knee injury like we forget he was out for almost a year he, this is a second real game back not including preseason you lost jared mckinnon or again if i'm not mistaken or is it yeah. coleman maybe no. both of them honestly i can't yeah Devin coleman got injured again yeah so you're losing pieces you, you got the best tight end in football debatable top five no matter depending how you slice oh yeah it. absolutely And you're dominating without him, really. I mean, Tampa Bay was a little ugly on offense, but this was a showcase. Kyle Shanahan's a stud play caller. I think he's found his groove. Jimmy G, he's going to roll with this offense. I think he's just going to turn back the picks a little bit as he gets healthy. I mean, he threw another one against the Bengals. I mean, they're not Jameis bad, but he's a little erratic sometimes. Like, he did throw a pretty bad one against the, the Buccaneers, but... I think that this is kind of why I picked the Niners do well and their defense, while not elite by any means, that's a good defense, I mean. Hey, top scoring fantasy defense in the league right now. That's true and I mean, they're not I don't think they're the best defense in their division, but they're far from the worst. Absolutely. I mean, they might not be as talented as the Rams or as quite as cohesive as Seattle, just keeping them in division, but they can compete with those, I mean. Richard Sherman still has it. They got a pass rush that can compete with anyone when healthy. And then on offense, they can do whatever they want when they're clicking. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see how they go, and they play better competition. I mean, Cincinnati is one of those teams that's going to be close in almost every game, but lose a lot. I think. Yeah, they're, and then, they're not going to get over the hump very often. Yeah, I mean, like against Seattle, they were close. They just couldn't quite beat them. This game, I think, when it rains it pours. San Francisco just ran through them. And then against Tampa Bay, it was ugly, but they won. so they want ugly. They want explosive. We're going to see them in the division games, but I like San Fran. It makes me feel smarter seeing they kind of come to fruition early. I didn't expect them to click more mid season, but if this is what we have coming throughout the year. They might be a real force, even more than I thought they would be. Yeah, I might have to eat my
0: eat my prediction on them if 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 they if they keep this going for the rest of the season. I mean, I will have to eat my words,
1: and I'll I'll be happy I'll be happy to do it. I like Jimmy G, and I like George Kittle. So we'll get back to more of me eating my words later too. Coming up, but first we're gonna stop with the Chargers. Speaking of kind, actually, you know this is kind of speaking of eating my words a little bit. Team that I had winning a bunch of games. Losing in the ugliest one of the ugliest games of the year, considering the talent on both teams. To the Lions, thirteen to ten. The quarterback play was just mediocre at best throughout. I mean, yeah, that's 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 being nice. I mean, Austin Eckler and On Johnson both had one or two really good plays, and the rest of the game is like, are we? What are we watching? Like nobody did anything. It was like Keenan Allen had a couple moments, but meh. Yeah, the defenses were good, but they weren't. I didn't think they were doing anything great. I think it was just more of inept offense coming from. Two good quarterbacks. I mean, Stafford yeah. and Phillip Rivers, Keenan Allen, I mean, TJ Hawkinson, Austin Eckler, On Johnson. There's weapons everywhere. I mean, it just looked ugly. Yeah, no, the, the, honestly, the one thing I took away from this game is, man, I'm getting
0: old hmm. because Matt Stafford came out of college, you know, around the same time I, I graduated high school. Phillip Rivers has been a pro since I can remember and – yeah, watching that game was watching two old quarterbacks pretty much on their last leg, which is crazy, and basically arm punting it at some at certain points of the game. I mean, it was just, it was crazy. I mean, I'm watching Matt Stafford just throw a 60 yard bomb inaccurately, which he doesn't normally do. He's probably one of the most accurate deep ball
1: throwers we we've seen in the league. He's one of those guys that could throw it far, but also on a line it doesn't have to flow. Which sometimes is good, sometimes is bad, depending yeah. on the but yeah we are getting kind of old that is kind of weird yes yeah, that's, that's what i took away from that and then you know uh, you mentioned carry on johnson had one play he, he had one
0: catch that was just absolutely insane spins a defender jukes another guy jumps over another guy like he's gonna be a stud he by the way he joined the thousand yard club fastest to reach it since barry sanders for the lions so i'm, we, I'm continuing
1: to pr- predict that he is the greatest running back in lions history since barry sanders Hey, we're both on, we're both on the carry-on Johnson train. I'm a big fan. I think he has a lot of Alvin Kamara in him. If he can stay healthy, we'll see where they go. Next up, this is an interesting one. The Vikings and the Packers. This isn't quite an eat-my-words thing, because I had the Packers winning 10 games, but I didn't think they'd be kind of running through the division this early. My thing I took away from this is Green Bay is weird. Like, their offense was clicking. Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers We're like, okay, this is the team we were talking about. They were cooking the that Vikings defense in the first half and then nothing second half they don't really do anything they can barely pick up a first down and I'm gonna actually do one and a half things on this one I'm breaking the rule here but I tweeted this from our account Kurt it's time to look for a new quarterback here in Minnesota yeah sorry if that was yours but I well no I was gonna play off
0: that bit you know you're right like we talked we talked about doing this game and this when when we tweeted it from the account it was you know you can see it it's just there's there's some kind of tension between the quarterback and two star receivers two number ones yeah and the tight end i mean you have kyle rudolph there who's still not getting any sort of burn i mean bb or bd or whatever his name is is
1: getting the burn and that's just he had your longest pass play of the day that really can't happen yeah and then on top of that i just want to mention he fumbles the ball entirely too often Kirk cousins needs some stick on that left hand or he i don't know what it is he just has too many passes get out of his hands exactly and then next we had the closest game of the week in the AFC South: Jacksonville versus Houston, twelve to thirteen. I'll let you go first on this one. Ah, you know, I, this ones hard, hard for me. There's two
0: ways I want to go with this, but I'll say this: I think Gardner Minshew, if he had an
1: offensive line, could be deadly as a rookie coming in. He's got some skill. You could tell he coming out of that air raid offense, he understands how to throw the ball. Even yeah. at and he translated to a more, quote-unquote, pro-style offense, a lot more clean than a lot of those other guys did.
0: Absolutely. And I think the, the biggest thing is, you know, his, his first touchdown pass was, was making a play. It wasn't like he was just there, you know, standing back there throwing the ball to an open receiver. He, was, he did the smart thing. He got the ball out quick. He got the ball to his open receivers. And when he did have to hold it for a while, he has the athletic ability to get out of the pocket, move, make a guy miss. Uh, but, yeah, he needs a, he needs protection if he's going to do
1: anything. And weirdly enough, the one thing I took away from this game is the Texans hate Deshaun Watson. Absolutely. I mean, that was the other side I want to go with. Larry did get hurt, I understand that. And he was kind of your, quote-unquote, saving force. He was supposed to be your anchor. Offensive lines take a minute to gel. We understand that. But I think some of it's Deshaun's fault. He has a little bit of that Ben Roethlisberger, Andrew Luck in him as far as making plays. But I think sometimes he's, I don't want to say slow to read defenses, but I think he's waiting for bigger windows than there are. And we know he can throw dimes. I mean, he does it all the time. But I think he's more comfortable throwing guys when they're more wide open. And I think he holds the ball a little long. And then other times he he knows when he's outside the pocket. Him, Aaron Rodgers, Patty Mahomes, he's in that elite class. So I think sometimes he does a little bit of the Russell Wilson where he sits back there and looks for a running lane to break the pocket to throw. I could be wrong. I'm not in his mindset. But he just gets hit entirely too often for my taste. He's going to end up like my boy Andrew Luck if this keeps up. Probably a lot sooner because he's not nearly as thick and burly. And honestly he kinda of runs into a few more hits where luck kind of a lot of his hits were in the pocket as well as outside the pocket. But Deshaun has a little more oh god I'm running and then I'm in trouble. I feel like he also gets hurt a lot more. They I feel like they play action a lot with him. And mm. so
0: they end up with him like rolling out of the pocket just enough that he gets backside pressure and gets hit as soon as he releases it more times than he has a clean pocket, it seems like.
1: I think he has the same thing that Luck had earlier in his career, where they need to call some one-two, get the ball. There's too many five- and seven-step looking drops. I don't know what the play is designed, but it looks like he's – the play is designed to go too far downfield. He doesn't have enough quick reads, anything like that. It's long passes with a check down. He yeah. needs two or three quick reads. What the defense gives you after snap, post-snap, take it. You know
0: where to go. Exactly. Like, perfect example, his touchdown. He 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 rolls out. It's Any other quarterback, they're rolling him out with the purpose of throwing it. Well, for the Texans, they roll him out with the purpose of, "Hey Deshaun, go get two yards and get a touchdown," and he gets killed, you know, to get his touchdown. So it's just like, you know, if you're if you're the Texans, you got to stop doing that.
1: Like he's a playmaker, we get it, but you got to protect your asset in some way. And some of it's on him, of course, but the Re- Texans got to do something. I, you got to flip the offense because you did what you can with the offensive line, but now you got to change some of the play calling a little bit. Absolutely, you got to get down to it. Speaking of quick reads. The Patriots took on the JV Dolphins, 43 to nothing. Antonio Brown, in spite of all of his stuff, actually got to play. The one thing I took away from this game is the Patriots have it so easy, man. They're already the most talented team in the league, arguably. If not, they're the best defensive secondary in football. And the Dolphins, what, what are you doing? What, just what are you doing?
0: You know, yeah, that's my takeaway is the Dolphins what are you doing mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean you you after this game you end up trading away Mika Fitzpatrick an absolute stud who has been picking it up who is your captain I mean look he's a bammer don't get me wrong I'm not gonna say anything you know really nice about the guy but he's if a I need if I need a player on my team I'm calling on Mika Fitzpatrick to play on my uh,
1: uh, on my defense if he's and out there I think a lot more teams I think should have went after him besides Pittsburgh I think he had a lot bigger. I think he should have had a bigger market, honestly. I mean, Absolutely. I think he was one of those
0: they just wanted to get rid of him quick, and so they went to the first bidder. And, you know, Xavier uh, Howard, after after the trade, had a perfect tweet about it. He tweeted the very last scene of Freshman's Bel Air where Will Smith walks into the empty room and is just looking around like, wow. And, you know, it's just like it really must feel like that for some of these
1: guys that have been around for a while i don't make it kind of ask for a trade so they're looking to and when you get a first round pick it's hard to complain especially when you send in the pittsburgh which we'll talk about pittsburgh here in a minute that pick might be a pretty good or we'll see how it goes compared to some of the anyway our next game a buffalo battle feature featuring the buffalo bills and the new york giants so what i took away from this is also something we probably touch on a little bit more later in depth but uh it's daniel jones time yeah yeah no yeah daniel jones man he's He's finally going to
0: get the nod after after this week. Um, that's going to be great. Um, you know, that that game was, God, I don't know what I was watching on offense for
1: the Giants. It was literally, if they're not giving the ball to Saquon, they, they're not moving. Like, him and Evan Ingram are the only guys that can do anything. And Evan Ingram's pretty dependent on a quarterback. So yeah. it's, so the Eli era ends, as we'll just go and touch on it now. I kind of talked about this in our predictions video. I thought Jones was going to come in around midseason. And how some rookie quarterbacks, no one knows how to prepare for them. They just come in and make plays. It's like, oh, wow, that guy, is he that good? I figured he's going to do that about midseason, rattle off some wins at the end. I still think they can win a good amount of games. Like, I had a mate eight. I don't know about that anymore because Daniel Jones is coming in a lot earlier than I thought. And the Giants are a little bit worse than even I thought. Yeah. But I think, I think he's going to have a good showing this year. I don't think he's going to be like, told you guys I should have been picked here. I don't think the Giants GM is going to be strutting himself billionaire strutting around the office. But... Same time, I don't think he'll have to be like, okay, I was wrong. Yeah, like I think it'll be somewhere in the middle. Like, I'm like, Daniel Jones, you know what? He proved he deserves a chance to play. Like, I think he'll deserve, he'll earn his starting job next year. This year, yeah, no, I'm with you. I, I kind of did, I had, I actually
0: had them winning a couple games with Eli, but I kind of regret that pick now. <laughs> but I'll be honest, I don't know if Daniel Jones fixes all the problems in New York. I mean, one, they don't have enough offensive linemen to prevent a pass rush, and two, I mean, they still are playing with Russell Shepard as their number one. Uh, you know receiver sterling Shepard no russell shepherd is it is um, their number one healthy receiver right now touche i don't even so, know what that is so. exactly <laughs> so you know it's just it's or dante or yeah dante fowler jr or whatever his name is benny fowler jr. Benny yeah like whatever it, it. it is he's the other one but you know the one, one one takeaway i have is josh allen man he he's another guy I, I, you know i think he throws
1: better on the run Then he does stationary. I didn't know that was possible. He's a white Donovan McNabb, basically. Like you keep him in the pocket. Oh, he's trash, quote unquote. To quote Jalen Ramsey, he breaks the pocket. He starts moving. Oh my god. Yeah, and you know how all these runners have a lot of, you know, their signature
0: move, quote unquote. Is that stiff arm? It's just it's so dirty. You know, once once he gets it on somebody, you just. You can't get through it. I mean, he gains extra two yards every time he puts it on somebody,
1: and that hurdle was pretty dope too. I mean, like that hurdle from last year. So, but I, I will say he he's not going to have a long career again if he keeps running the ball. <laughs> yeah, he's going to end up kind of camming it right there. He's a big boy, but at the same time, that stuff adds up real quick. So, yeah. Next up, speaking of Pittsburgh, we talked about earlier. Big Ben Roethlisberger is out for the year. Thank I, God. The Seahawks beat Pittsburgh in a close one, twenty to twenty six. We mentioned. Big Ben kind of being out, that's not really what I want to focus on this game. What I want to focus on is the Mason Rudolph era has begun. Absolutely. I liked him a lot coming out. I think he's a good quarterback. Pittsburgh's not really a Super Bowl threat or a true playoff contender. I had them winning the division, probably not so much anymore, but I think Pittsburgh's going to have a decision this offseason. Do we keep Big Ben or do we roll forward with Daniel Jones? They're going to have to make a decision this offseason. And I lean towards Mason Rudolph at this point. I mean, Big Ben's looked a little rough these last two years. I mean, I know last year he led the league in passing yards, but he also had significantly more attempts. Yeah. He had a B as well as Juju. Now they they scored three points on the Patriots, and they barely scored anything on the Seahawks yesterday until Mason Rudolph came in and got hot. I mean, yeah, I think it's Mason Rudolph time. Honestly, they traded for Minka Fitzpatrick. They're leaning a little more towards defense, I'd imagine, drafting Devin Bush as well. Let Mason Rudolph be your new Big Ben. Let him kind of manage the game a little bit.
0: You know, honestly, uh, watching what I watched yesterday. I don't know if Mason Ross – I don't know if I can put him as a game manager. That dude made some plays. say
1: I think in his early career, let him kind of just control the offense early, not yeah. throw it seven. times. Oh, yeah, times no, definitely. Too. But
0: to, to your point on, on Big Ben, his first completion to a receiver came with five minutes left in the second quarter. How do you go with freaking Juju Smith-Schuster and the wide receiving core that they have, how do you go a whole quarter and two-thirds without completing a pass to your receiver? Like, that's just crazy to
1: hear. And Seattle has a good defense, but their secondary is not the Legion of Boom anymore. No, it's Shaquem Griffin and and, and squad. Yeah, like Like, like a good team, but their strength is in their front seven for this team. And because we'd be remiss not to mention, Russell Wilson's a gamer, man. He's a baller. I mean, 82% of his pass is completed, 75-ish percent on the year. I'm not going to say he's a dark Steve Young, but he has like a modern-day Steve Young feel to him with the way he moves and throws and stuff, his accuracy. He's a baller. I'll get... He still he makes me cringe when he got, drops back. But the one thing I'll say
0: about Mason Rudolph, I think that actually the Steelers should have won this game. Oh, 100%. When I look back at it, Mason Rudolph's first drive, he throws an out route to Dante Moncrief. Who's who trapped ha- The ball hits him in the hands. He starts coming down and gets knocked away, goes right to a Seattle defender for a pick. It's just like,
1: dude, if no. you didn't put those giant gold chains on your neck, you mm. can catch the damn ball. Dante Moncrief, when he was with the Colts, he looked like a steal. He was balling. Him and Andrew Luck had a rapport. Like he was that big, fast target. But since he left the Colts and went to the Jaguars and then now at the Steelers, he just doesn't have it anymore. I don't know why. Is that first week against the Patriots, he was targeted plenty of times, but he just doesn't have it. Absolutely. Speaking yeah. of the Colts, the next game we have is the Colts squeaking by the Titans, nineteen to seventeen. There's a lot to look at this game. I mean, obviously, Vinatieri. That is a big storyline. Is he done? Is he not? I'm gonna look at the one. I'm gonna look at something else that probably most Colts fans are happy to hear about. The Colts are legit. I,
0: yeah, mean,
1: I mean, losing Andrew Luck, everyone's like, "Well, there goes the season." And there's the memes, "Oh no, we suck again." All <laughs> that Jacoby Brissett's a gamer. I mean, he's got five or six touchdowns in two weeks. Like Marlon Mack, he is the exact opposite of Trent Richardson, who is that Colts running back we all know and hate. Who, he's he the one could, that we want to forget that he ever played in the NFL. Exactly. But, like, he was the guy who didn't know what he's doing. He was a deer in the headlights. Marlon Mack, if there's a crease, he's boogieing through it immediately. Like, he's laying kind of, on Bell's patient. he finds the right hole. Marlon Mack assaults the first hole. He goes straight through it. And with this Colts offensive line, they're not – they're elite, but they're not, like t- – they're really good, obviously. And they just – they make holes, and he just hits them hard. Naeem Hines, he's like a baby Darren Sproles. I think they're going to be a top five team in rushing this year. Even with Jacoby Brissett, some of the sacks he broke, my God, he looked like Auburn Cam Newton out there. So, yeah, I, and their defense, while the Colts defense isn't anything to write home about, they make plays when needed. They bend a lot, but they usually don't. They don't snap very often. So, Colts are legit. Look out for them. Make competing for maybe even not if a wild card spot, maybe even the division. I mean, right now they're tied at the top. Yeah, and we talked about this during this,
0: the Andrew Luck video or a podcast. You know that episode where, don't be surprised if they still. Challenge for the division. I mean, my the, my takeaway from this is though you mentioned Adam Vinatieri, he cannot keep missing kicks like this. This is that game honestly should have been won by nine. You and, uh, like the the Colts should have won that game by nine. And you know Vinatieri, you just don't. There was the meme that came out after Andrew Luck retired that he's like, oh wait, we can retire. And unfortunately, I'm starting to look at it and think maybe. It is time for the great Adam Vinatieri to retire because it is, it's getting there. I don't I don't know what's wrong with him. I don't know if he's just trying to overkick it, but you know they Wright came out and said that he he trusts Vinatieri still. I mean his so. last five
1: games have been rough. He missed the PAT at the last game last year against the Chiefs. He left like six or seven points on the board in the playoff game against the Chargers. Honestly, if he hits those hits those PATs and that field goal, they probably win that game against the Chargers. You might have a two and Coles team beating. A team that a lot of people think the Chargers are going to be a stud team this year, yep. and then beating this Titans team that I think people were feeling a lot especially after what they did to the Browns last week. So, yeah, they the Colts are legit. I think we both we kind of talked about it. Like you said, we thought they'd be pretty good. We like Jacoby Brissett. At least I do a lot. I think he's going to be pretty good. They just didn't have that Super Bowl feel to them without Andrew Luck. You didn't have that elite guy that that kind of in basketball you need a guy to go get you a bucket. Yeah, like compared to those in 2015 LeBron's Cavs to the Hawks that were 60 wins you right now they feel more like the Hawks with 60 wins as opposed to LeBron's Cavs yeah what this feels like is like you just
0: you, you didn't lose much in the leadership category when you lost luck because Brissett brings a long long history of like strength and character but you lose it in the talent side of it with the the transition from luck to Brissette and but I mean honestly that team needs to be led and Brissett, as their leader, is not a bad guy to be their leader. I like I like him in that leadership role, and him with Ty, I think they're it's the perfect combination
1: right now. I think the one thing they might miss, especially coming down the stretch, is that experience that Luck brings because it's a young team and Luck has seen everything and some. So we'll see yeah. how they play off, but I like what they're doing. Now we're gonna move on to your Cowboys taking on the Redskins. I'll let you go first on this one. We're yeah, here. thirty-one so, to twenty-one was the score. In case we didn't mention that, so what did you take away from the Dak attack? Uh, you know the Cowboys might actually be the
0: one of the best teams in the league this year, this year because Kellen Moore is calling perfect games for Dak Prescott. You know, I'm not going to say he's calling a perfect offense, but what he is doing is he is he made mistakes early in the game with with Dak and you know, they talked about they talked it through and then it was just like the 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 flips the switch flipped and he started calling perfect plays for
1: everything Dak needed. And that got them back rolling. Mine's similar to that. Mine's gonna be a little more almost cut and dry. It's a two parter. A, they're freaking loaded. This is this is kind of their window. Like they paid some guys. You're not gonna be able to pay everybody. Like they. And then two, that defense is scary, man. Like I know Case Keenum had his moments, and the the defense had some lapses, but Byron Jones, Demarcus Lawrence, Leighton Vanderesh, Jalen Smith, Ty Crawford, Owosii. Even your boy Jeff Heath, I mean, like, look, hey. we, we, we and by we I mean you mostly like to kind of trash on a little bit, but even this year he hasn't been the blind to Kamikaze like he was last year. Here he's been, yeah. he's been a player honestly a little bit like yeah, I, I,
0: you know, I want to give uh, I want to give the Kamikaze a little bit of credit. He hasn't crashed into the water yet. He's made a couple, couple pretty nice plays this season. I, I you know I can't take it all away from him as much as I try and <laughs> just turn a blind eye. Uh, but yeah, no, he actually has had a pretty good season so far. Um, But on the flip side of this game, you know, McLaurin. That dude. Dude, that dude is a stud. Like, you know, we talk about Paris Campbell going to the Colts a lot, but McLaurin is is that Ohio State guy that might be the more finished product
1: for an NFL player coming out. I want to see what he looks like when his boy Dwayne Haskins fills in because I don't think Case Keenum is going to be starting all year. I think once they decide to give Haskins the reins, that will be fun to see and see if they still have that connection. We'll see how it goes because he's doing good with Case Keenum, honestly. Yeah. So next we'll move on to. This was a heck of a half. I'm going to call it a half because nothing happened in the second half. Kansas City versus Oakland. Yeah. So it was twenty-eight to ten. Oakland scores ten in the first quarter. Kansas City scores twenty in the second quarter. That's kind of all you need to know. But what I'm just going to I'm just going to keep it really simple. Mahomes boy is ridiculous. Yeah. Four touchdowns, almost three hundred yards in the second quarter. Just coasts and does nothing the rest of the way because why do you need to? And then the Raiders, well. I imagine you want to talk about the Raiders a little bit here.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say this is my this is my takeaway for the Raiders. The Raiders aren't dead, you know. As much as as much as everybody wants to say, oh, AB's gone, the Raiders are screwed. You know what? Tyrell Williams, that man, he got me some fantasy points. <laughs> David Carr is looking good throwing him the ball. Jacobs out of the backfield is looking really good. Jacobs does look good. Uh, my one worry though is in, is in the secondary for the the Raiders. They you know um, can't think of his name right now. Number twenty. The guy that, that can't pronounce Salmon. Um, Jonathan Abram. Jonathan Abram with his injury. Yeah. They don't really have anybody to fill in. It's Carl Joseph filling in right now. And he's a linebacker playing yeah. safety, basically. Exactly. And so, you know, you got a little lapse there. So, all right. Yeah, we once Abram gets back, maybe we can talk about it, you know, more. But I'm excited for the AFC West, the, that battle between the Chiefs and the Raiders and the Chargers. I want to see... What the Raiders do against the Chargers, but I do think the Raiders can actually have a
1: part of a conversation for the AFC West title this year. I think they're. I don't think they're going to win a lot of games down the stretch. I think if they had Antonio Brown, imagine what Tyrell Williams would be doing as the number two receiver. Yeah. I think that's what a lot of people are like. Okay, maybe because they had they had that dude to quote unquote get you a bucket. Gonna go back to that reference. Now they don't really have that. They'll have a few close moments like that first quarter where they took it to the Chiefs, but. When you give up 28 points in the second quarter and they can't do anything in the second half, a little worried about them down the stretch. But
0: yeah, yeah.
1: and then speaking of the AFC West, Denver taking on Chicago, 16 to 14, and Chicago weirdly enough wins the game on a, on a field goal attempt. So what I took away from this is the Bears' offense needs to get rolling. I had them as the Super Bowl champion. That defense is legit. They, I mean, Denver had a little success, but they weren't a th- they weren't really a threat to score 20 28 points. For this offense, for this defense with Chicago, you need to score 18 to 20 points, roughly. Any given night, you'll have a chance. You'll win 11 out of 16 games if you can pull that off. And it just looks difficult. Like, Moth Mitch Trubisky has regressed from what we saw last year, even. And then I don't know what the problem is. Why they don't run the ball consistently? Dave yeah. Montgomery's nice. Tariq Cohen's nice. Run a run some ju- just zone re some just inside zone, outside zone, power road. Just try just running the ball generically. Like don't. I don't know. It's weird that like, they throw the ball entirely too much considering how Mitch has kind of aggressed a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, we talked, we talked about how some teams
0: seem to get a little bit gun shy when they get a lot of weapons. And, like, it kind of, we talk about the, the, the dream team, quote unquote, with the, the Eagles, you know, a couple years back with Vic, Deshaun, you know, all those weapons and how they didn't really do much. Well, I kind of feel this way about the, the, the Bears right now. I feel like they're making it harder on themselves than they should. You know, you have Tariq Cohen and David Montgomery. That should be a two-headed monster. And Mitch Trubisky can run the ball. He might be the best running white quarterback in the league, really, if we look at it. Yeah, I mean, you know, Josh Allen, don't hold your breath over
1: there, but, you know, you're not Mitch Trubisky. I'm sorry. Like, (laughs) I I don't want to tackle Josh Allen, but it's probably harder to tackle Mitch. I mean, some of those touchdown runs he had last year. and yeah. Splitting hairs either way, but like we said, like that could be a heck of a rushing attack and then yeah. just pick your spots with Allen Robinson, Trey Burton, but Yeah, I mean and, and run a short passing game. Run quick quick
0: outs, you know, slants, run, you know, little dump off routes to Tariq Cohen. David Montgomery can catch the ball. I mean, he showed it in preseason, he showed it in, in off season workouts, he showed it in college. He's not a bad back back catching the ball out of the backfield, so you know, I I just feel like they're making this way harder than they need to for the Bears. And if I'm just I don't know, I guess I'm happy to see them. You know, win on a field goal at least. Maybe they should just kick in Denver every game. game. It's kind of
1: an ironic. It's it's a fun twist, honestly. Right? Yeah,
0: exactly. Like they finally didn't get screwed by their own kicking game.
1: And now to probably what well, was in my opinion the most painful game of the week, the Saints at the Rams. The Rams oh. took it away, twenty-seven to nine. There's a lot to talk about this game. I'm not gonna talk about the officiating call because I don't honestly think that changes the game as much no. as people think. Like this wasn't like last year's call where Camp Jordan got scooped. What I'm gonna mention is, man, Drew Brees. That that hurts, man. Like that. Not only does that suck for the Saints, that sucks for everybody to see. A top it sucks three for my fantasy team. Okay, yeah. There's there's that too. A <laughs> <laughs> top three quarterback in the league go out like that. I mean, the Saints' offense was starting to get limited as Brees was getting older. It wasn't stretching the field in the same ways. There's a lot of Mike Thomas and Alvin Kamara, but. They were still a Super Bowl favorite for a lot of people. And Teddy Bridgewater's nice, but he's not Drew Breeses. No. And then a weird thing is, like, this might be the most impact Aaron Donald's ever had on a game by breaking Brees's thumb with his hand. And then, ironically, Aaron Donald gets hurt. Yeah, exactly. Aaron Donald left with a back injury afterwards. Yeah, I know. I,
0: I mean, for me, my takeaway is, is what will the, the Saints are – there's a lot of questions for the Saints now when Drew Brees is gone. You know, he does a, he's a really good band-aid. He covers up a lot of your deficiencies in an offense. And, he's got
1: that Peyton Manning, Andrew Luck thing to yeah. him. It's like, oh, I'm going to cover this issue with my greatness and this issue yeah. and this issue. And, you know, this
0: really brings into the point that we mentioned in our preseason predictions, you know, why some of us didn't have the Saints going all the way is because their defense— you know That's going to raise a lot of questions, They're secondary in particular. What happened to Marshawn Lattimore? He went from arguably about to
1: be the best corner in the league to now he's just pretty good.
0: Exactly. And, you know, it's just one of those things. I don't know what's going on, um, but my question going forward, my takeaway is, oh, crap, what will the Saints do without Breezes? Like, you just lost your savior. What do you do?
1: And it's for six weeks, so six, well, six, seven, seven weeks, something like that, and give him like two weeks when he gets back. So what are you going to do for nine games, basically? Yeah. Can you go... Five and four. Can you at least keep the boat steady? Because the rest of that division is not exactly booming either. I mean, yeah. And
0: now the South. You know, the NFC South isn't a. They have a pretty decent schedule going forward. They play. They play the NFC West and I. The AFC South. AFC South. So they. You know, they play some pretty. I won't say easy teams, There's but some winnable games
1: in there. If you can make. You
0: know, two of the worst teams in our predictions are both in their schedule. So you know, it is. They have a good shot. Yeah, you? it's possible. They can pull something out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I, it's... Yeah, I don't know. I, I, it, You know, I guess there's a mind in Sean Payton. I think he is good enough of an... I, I do, do love Sean Payton's offensive mind. So, I do think he's capable of coming up with an idea with Teddy Bridgewater. And Teddy Bridgewater is not bad. I still love Teddy. You know, I still think he's injuries G- Injuries hurt him. You know, obviously, definitely curbed his... Uh, His curb appeal, if you will. It definitely hurt that. But, you know, it's,
1: yeah, I don't know. I don't know if he's ready to step into the spotlight in New Orleans. And then that'll take us to the last game that we'll be be talking about. Speaking of the the NFC South, Atlanta versus Philadelphia, the Bird Bowl, 24-20 on a last-minute Julio Jones touchdown. What I took away from this game is Philly, the injuries man. My God, Deshaun Jackson is out. Alshon Jeffrey was hurt. Carson Wentz was dinged up. I think Zach Ertz was okay. Was the only real healthy guy. Like, and he always are, carries a knock. He's a tight end, so he's always carrying exactly. something. Exactly. Like, just so many injuries across the board. Just they need to get healthy because this offense is not what I thought it was going to be. I mean, they have their moments. Like, it seems like second halves they are clicking. Like against the Falcons and against the Redskins in Week One. Second half is like, oh, that's an offense I thought could be one of the league's best. But first halves, Carson Wentz was terrible. Yeah, like he was just bad. Like those interceptions were terrible. They. Zach Ertz wasn't even getting open. That isn't accurate. They couldn't run the ball. Eagles got to figure it out. That's kind of what I'm looking at. Whether it's injuries, whether it's play call. Con- it's a little bit of both, actually. But yeah. get healthy, figure it out on offense because you can't fall behind twenty to three or you can't fall play that bad offensively like they did against the Cowboys because the Cowboys yeah. will roll through them if you fall if you play that bad in the first half. Oh, absolutely. And and for me, Julio Jones listens to the podcast is what my takeaway
0: <laughs> is. That man finally got himself in the end zone. And he you know, we we had been asking for it, we had been begging for him to get in the end zone. We you see all the benefit you, you see what he can do in when he gets the opportunities. You know, he he took a
1: screen to the house. Like crunch time at clocked at twenty miles an hour at one point. Yeah. That.
0: Like the dude's six foot whatever he is. Six three, two twenty, something like basically that. Basically LeBron running down like, <laughs> you know, running down the sideline.
1: At 20 miles per hour. Like, okay, good luck stopping that. Like, you can even see, like, a Twitter video, Like, right after Muhammad Sanu stopped blocking, turned around, this was like three yards down the field. He raises his arms, like, we got him. Yeah, he's, celebra- he's
0: celebrating the moment Julio gets loose. Like, he is, yeah, you're right. He's like three yards past the line of scrimmage, and he is already celebrating. It's just, that is, it's great to see because I do like Julio. I, I, I like that receiving core for Atlanta, and I love the camaraderie even amongst the group. And Muhammad Sanu, Talk about a story. The dude broke his leg in college in probably one of the most horrific injuries I've ever seen. Running into a freaking band cart. Snapped his shin in half. Came back. He's an, he's, he's now a number two receiver for the Falcons. Maybe you know. number three, depending on what you think. Yeah, you I mean, yeah. Technically, we're just going to give Calvin Ridley... Still going to put him at the third tier for right now. Yeah, but you're right. He's Calvin Ridley really is the second. He's a member of one of the most prolific receiving cores in the league. Absolutely. So, you know, it is one of those... Uh, it's one of those things. I don't know. I, I love seeing it. I love seeing the, the camaraderie amongst that, that receiving core. So, you know, I, I want all the good things for that happen for the Falcons receiving core. But and then I guess moving on from the games, one of the biggest stories, we kind of touched on it with Minka, but Jalen Ramsey asking, well, I guess we shouldn't say asking out, but he definitely did ask for a trade uh, after his fight with Doug Marone on the sidelines. You know, where, where, I guess where do
1: you think he, he should go if he ends up leaving? Well, I think at this point he almost all but has to go. I mean, I know it's the NFL. It's not like the NBA where you say, I want to leave, and you get, end up getting traded whether they like it or not, Anthony Davis. But uh, <laughs> I think there's a few teams out there that should look for him. One of them, I'm going to go back to this one. People are going to think I'm on the payroll, but I'm not. I think San Francisco should look at him. You have Richard Sherman at one end. You put Jalen Rams on the other end with that pass rush. Good luck everybody else, especially yeah. the way their offense is scoring. Like offer up a first round pick and maybe like a third round pick in 2022 or something like that like go a little bit out there for it goes go you're rolling you're 2-0 right now you look good your quarterback's getting healthy Kyle Shannon's in a groove I say go for it. go all in I think the Rams are 2-0 the Seahawks are 2-0 you're 2-0 the Cardinals are and 2 it's a competitive division the Rams add 15 pieces every offseason this time they added Eric Weddle I mean the Seahawks added Jadavian Clowney make your it's your turn Let raise them one arguably best corner in the league yeah i mean i definitely like that pick the
0: niners uh for me it's we just talked about them. i think it would be a crazy way to get them, but i think the saints if they can pull out a trade package for jalen i think that stirs up that defense until drew gets back and could you imagine the saints getting jalen to go in that secondary and we talk about how extra he can be, and especially for my, in my opinion, I do think when he gets to this point, you see him. Like, he didn't play a really good game against DeAndre Hopkins this Who weekend. Who does, though, honestly. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's true. But, you know, number one cornerback in the league, you kind of expect more, I guess, from him. So sometimes when he gets into his feelings like this, you kind of you see the lapses. But I would love to see him play for the Saints. And I would love to see what he could do for that team. I do think that's definitely a flyer pick for me. I mean, it's probably not – I don't think I've seen anybody pick them yet as a team, like a destination, but I think as a fit, I feel
1: like he would slide into that number one role for him. Him and Marshawn Lattimore could be a hell of a duo. I mean, maybe Marshawn Lattimore playing that second corner is like the best second corner we've seen in a long time. Yeah. And you don't even have to move your corners. You can disguise stuff a little bit better because you can trust Marshawn Lattimore on the number one receiver more often than not. Yeah, exactly. And you you don't have to rely – on a young eli apple who is
0: prone to mistakes to be a number guarding a number two sometimes a number one you can slide him into a sort of nickel corner type role or even coming in a dime pack
1: exactly so that's a pretty good pick another one i'm not really sure i've obviously there's the joke everyone's showing like the belichick meme walking in I like swear. here come the patriots <laughs> like obviously he would fit with the pa- i don't even know how they play the patriots they already have like three stud corners i mean yeah. like they i think they're okay this is tough because I don't really want to see him go here just because I think it would be broken and at the same time it be kind of, I just don't want to see it but he wouldn't be a bad fit with the Chargers at all.
0: Yeah, that's I I, I like that one as well.
1: My question is how do you get him? I don't think they can't get him is the thing. Like I yeah. don't think like Maybe they offer a first and a third or something like that, but you already know that's probably gonna be a later pick. Like, I, mean, I don't know, but imagine him and Derwin James healthy with your boy Casey Hayward come this playoff oh yeah. run with Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram. Like, I don't want any part of that smoke. You
0: know, the one thing I will say that they have in Sandy or LA in LA Chargers for a trade bait is Melvin Gordon still sitting out there. That could be something too. And it. that him packaged with a couple draft picks. Didn't think about that. Honestly. And then maybe get Leonard Fournette in return. Oh, Look, they still have TJ Yeldon take him even? like, Well, no, Yeldon's up in uh, Buffalo now. He is now? Okay. Yeah, he, but I just, I honestly just caught that this weekend. Yeah. But that's a different story for a different time up in Buffalo. I don't understand that. But anyways. Either way, if you're the charge, you have Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson. You don't even need Leonard Fournette either. Yeah, like. I mean, honestly, you can maybe take
1: one of their extra receivers, you know, pick up a Keelan Doss. They'll or, take a defensive lineman for yeah. them too. Just load up there because I mean, Jaguars, you have four deep at defensive line. I mean, who knows? You could do whatever you want, honestly, or you yeah. can. Yeah, I, I love mean, the Chargers pick for him. Like, but you're right. Like to see Jalen and Casey with Derwin James two, in the two safety. top five corners. Good luck, everybody else. Literally, good luck, everybody else. And then towards the end of the season, you had Derwin James, the top five safety, coming back healthy, taking away slot receivers, tight ends, killing anybody in the vicinity. Yeah. And then at the same time, even if you're like, okay, I just we have a third receiver, he'll get open. Oh wait, that's Joey Bosa eating my quarterback. So. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't have time to look at, look at him. You know. Um, but yeah, and then, and then the other one that
0: I see a lot of right now is the Chiefs, um, kind of going to solidify that defense. And, you know, I, they're one of those ones I don't think they have the cap space to be able to take on any of his contract, and so it would have to be a really, really good trade package. But
1: the problem is, I, who do you trade on that team? Who do you get rid of? I don't even know what they have because they did trade a little bit to get Frank Clark. I don't know if the, any of that carries over to, like, this next draft. But at the same time, you're compromising your future a lot with those trading away, those picks. you got to pay Patrick Mahomes coming up. That man's going to have to make $200 million a year coming up or whatever. Absolutely. So you got to kind of pick wisely there. Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey, like, I don't think you bring him in there. I just – we've seen him be extra. I don't think that's going to work with, like, Andy Reid and them. I think even – you saw what he did with Kareem Hunt as soon as that video came out. Bye. Yeah. Tyreek Hill, that they probably wanted to say goodbye, but at the same time, Andy Reid's like, well, I already cut Kareem Hunt. We'll, we'll make this work. Like, yeah, I think if you had Jalen, it's just going to throw things off for that kind of team.
0: You know, the one thing I think they have going for him, though, if he can end up in Kansas City, they have Tyron Matthew there in the secondary. And he is one of those guys who has had
1: previous extraness problems that he's fitting in pretty well in Kansas City. Yeah, but I think his are a little bit different. His don't seem as like you don't seem fighting with coaches as much. His I mean, he did get more. kicked out of college. For not fighting with the coach, though. Like, no, no, like, for, for for being Honey Badger and Honey Badger does what Honey Badger wants. Exactly. So I mean, and I think pretty <laughs> much everyone respects Honey Badger. Honestly, he seems like a guy that's garnered a lot of respect around the league.
0: Yeah, so. he he definitely took his lumps and he's he's
1: come back. Uh, so I would like that too. I mean, well, I wouldn't like it it's like for to see other teams, but I mean, that's a good fit. Honestly, like that's another good one as well. Yeah, and then and then I, I don't know. I don't know if you saw if if you've
0: heard of this one, but for your guys your team, I think the Colts if they can fat finagle away with the Jaguars in division rival mind you I don't know how you could work that out maybe get a third team involved but if if the Colts could pull in a top tier corner to go along with their current defensive setup you have Malik Hooker in the back you have Kenny Moore in the slot you have Darius Leonard if you can keep all those pieces and then add a Jalen Ramsey to that team again personality aside I do think he would be a crazy good fit for that Colts team that would take them from oh crap, Andrew Luck just retired. We might make the playoffs to
1: a playoff team that might be vying for a championship. The one area that it might not work as well the Colts play a buttload of defense, or not? Jesus, a butt- they play a buttload of zone defense. Yeah, where Jalen he can play zone. Obviously, he's obviously pretty good. Like that cover three deep third, he's locked down at that. But how well is he at cover two, where he just sits and we know he can tackle. He loves to tackle. He enjoys it. Like he's already did the Tyree kill, like. Obviously, he'd be a good fit. I'm just wondering, like, he also gives you that ability to play man and be like, okay, screw it. So, obviously, it's a good fit. I'm just wondering, how does it work with the rest of the defense? Because Mully Cooker's that single high, cover three, cover one roamer. I think it'll work, obviously. Like, it just gives them that weird ability to just be like, go take that guy, which they don't necessarily have right now. And is he good with playing zone all the time? Like, And, you know, maybe it might be something where he matches up in
0: man and the rest of the team runs his own. Like, when you're playing a Texans team... Man DeAndre and zone the rest of Absolutely, the field. Absolutely, because you see how much DeAndre can hurt your team and you wouldn't be losing much. It's just like sticking a quarter a linebacker and spy. You know, you don't lose a whole lot in that situation. You're just accounting for one guy particularly, and then everybody else just takes their own region.
1: And that would help them a lot when if they played teams like the Chiefs or the Patriots that have that true number one receiver. It's like, yeah. okay, go at least disrupt that guy. Don't let yeah. him get eight for a buck ninety.
0: Like, I think, you know, if they played the Chiefs, that would be somebody like Jalen sticks on maybe Travis Kelsey for that matter. That way they can zone up Tyreek Hill, like, you know, push in towards the sideline. Exactly. Have somebody so. underneath and a safety over the top. And yeah. I don't know. There's a lot of interesting pieces that could be involved in that, but I don't know if they could pull off a trade to the Colts. But I that is one in the back of my head. I'm kind of like, that would be really interesting to see. Like I don't think he would fit in with my team with the Cowboys. I
1: just as like, if your team could afford him. They yeah, exactly. Even afford their they they players, can't even so. afford. They can't afford themselves. They're about alone. to let Byron Jones walk, probably. Who's his own in his own right? A really, really good corner in his own. Yeah, a top ten corner probably right now in the league. Probably yeah, in that eight to nine sort of range, yeah. like, which is
0: fantastic. Building up. You know, and that's the thing, is he has forward momentum. It's like, crap, okay, pay the guy. Yeah,
1: exactly. Like, But, yeah, no, so it's, it, that would be an interesting one. I don't, again, that's another, like, the Saints, that's a really big flyer. And they've also talked about, like, he, he's always kind of made the joke in the offseason, like, super teams forming down in Houston, huh? I mean, him and DeAndre are bros. You could tell the way they talk about each other. Yeah, That could be interesting, too, but... I don't see how they pull that off. They have no draft uh, draft capital anywhere. They already Not spent all, it. yeah, it. you'd have to trade DeAndre or Deshaun basically, unless the Jaguars are just fully stupid and looking to get rid of them. But yeah, I feel like they wasted a lot to get Demetrius.
0: Yeah, Demarius Thomas. Last, you know, for the little rental period they had him, and then and
1: yeah. then you traded then, everything for Laramie Tunzel, Kenny Stills. Then you just kind of yeah, and then still feeling the ramifications trading up for Deshaun Watson, which was worth it, obviously, yeah. but like. You just haven't had draft picks in, like, three years, it feels like.
0: Well, they, they traded a draft pick away for Carlos Hyde as well. I mean, you,
1: you, you got rid of a lot of draft picks just as offseason alone. And you got to have to pay these guys, too. You don't have a lot of rookie contracts in here. Like, you're going to have to pay Jalen. That's the thing. Like, he showed up to camp in a Brinks truck. Yep. Whoever signs him has to know you gotta, you're either renting him or you're dropping a nice wad.
0: And, and that was one thing with the Colts that we saw. Cap space. Cap space is
1: a—is— wide open in indie they had a know? lot of cap space before Angela and yeah. now that angela has gone it's like okay what do we do with this money which he, by the way i will take some of it yeah i mean look if they want to if if they sign Jalen ramsey let it be known
0: that the high low podcast called him first <laughs> we deserve five percent of his contract i will take 0.05 of his contract you're right <laughs> we'll, I will, we will take 0.05 of whatever you pay him
1: like this is yeah, it would just be an insane contract, anyways. I will take his leftover practice jersey, and that will be I can sell that for point no, oh five. I don't want to burn it. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that was kind of the big story this week in the NFL. I mean, like as far as not just the games, but there's obviously the Ben Roethlisberger. injury. we touched on that. Daniel Jones taking over. Anything else you kind of want to touch on it? Uh, NFL wise, no. it was, it was a pretty interesting weekend.
0: Um, not a whole lot of. I don't know. The one thing that really shocked me, I saw, there was a lot of field goal attempts inside of the 5- and 10-yard line this year. And, like, for example, the Cardinals set a record for most attempts inside of the 5-yard line in one game. They had three field goals inside the 5-yard line. And watching the highlights again today, I saw a lot more field goals that
1: were inside the 10 than I've ever seen. I don't understand it. Like, I've, I'm always kind of like, this is what I like about Frank Wright as, as the head coach of the Colts kind of just go to, try to play to win them more a little bit like yeah. you're inside the five let's say you don't get a oh no assume you don't get sacked to throw a pick six they got a long ways to go still they're pinned i mean obviously you don't want to lead points on the board but you're inside the five you're at the four especially with the cardinals like you said you got a quarterback who runs a four flat 40 probably exactly yeah Find a, granted i don't know what and it you're is losing like, and you're losing in the game mind you exactly and you have weapons i mean the cardinals it's not like they have a shortage of talent necessarily. Yeah. Like, the offensive line has some work, but just get Kyler to run outside and beat that edge. Exactly. I don't know. It just it seemed kind of, if you go for it on fourth down, spread him out, make Kyler Murray do, like, an RPO from a five-wide set, like a quarterback draw jump pass option. Like, just go for it. Make Lamar beat you 95 yards down the field. It's not Agreed. saying he won't do it. I mean, there's a good chance he might, but he's going to beat you down the field regardless. You might yeah. as well try and get seven. I mean, the way he's playing
0: this season, you know, who knows what he can do. And but the way yeah, the Cardinals no, defense
1: is not really inspiring fear either. Yeah, it's just one of those things. I guess it's a
0: growing pain as a coach. You just gotta get over it eventually. But that just shocked me this week. The Cardinals particularly, but overall in the league, just so many kicks inside the ten that I'm just like you sure. these are professional caliber guys. You have six foot seven receivers.
1: You got six foot five, two hundred forty pound quarterbacks with yeah. super offensive linemen. I mean like I don't know, I just I want you have so much offensive trickery, like the Philly special. There are so many options out there. I don't even see the point of kicking a field goal when you're inside the five-yard line unless it's to win the game. Like, exactly. And, and you know, to your point of, like, going for a win, the only reason the
0: Jaguars didn't win this game this weekend is they missed a two-point conversion because Leonard Fournette couldn't get his big-ass two yards in the end zone. He got held up by Eric Reed's little brother in the end zone. By the way, former teammate of Leonard Fournette got held up on the goal line. Like, that's just – that kills me. I mean, but it just goes to show, like, he wants to win. He wants that W. Exactly. So yeah. I can respect it, you know. He, but he did prevent Gardner Minshew's first win. The
1: it's, mustache. I can't really blame the play call. I mean, you get Leonard Fournette one on one with a DB. That's all you can honestly ever want. And that DB is not Jamal Adams or some or Derwin James. It's Justin Reed, who's really good in his own right. But he's not a guy that necessarily you you take Justin Fournette in that not just you take Leonard Fournette in that battle nine times out of ten. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But so moving on from NFL. And, and, you
0: know, NCAA this weekend, eh, whatever. It's this past weekend. USC lost to BYU, and that was probably the most important game.
1: Yeah, it was kind of the week where a <laughs> lot of the main teams at the top, they kind of just beat up on other teams, like yeah. teams that they're supposed to beat. There wasn't a whole lot of head-to-head battles. where it's like, oh, okay, yeah, that's a doozy. That, right. has, playoff ram- that has playoff implications. But this week,
0: let's talk about this week. So USC plays another Utah team, uh, top – wow – Top ten ranked Utah ranked at number ten, playing away in USC. Undefeated Utah, two and one USC.
1: That'll should be three and zero USC. Like they yeah, should they, be BYU. they lost
0: it overtime on a pick like to BYU. So it was a good game. Um, that'll be a good
1: game to start with. That that's on Friday actually. That has a weird feel to it. Like Utah in theory should roll through them, but USC's got a little bit of that even though they are still USC a lot of these Utah kids remember that dynasty so yeah. we'll see if that gets to them early or not too but Utah should roll through them pretty comfortably and you know one thing with Utah their players a lot of
0: them are from California so you're exactly right they remember the Reggie Bush Matt Liner era USC you know they remember those Linda White those type of years where it was just year after year after year after year in the BCS talk exactly so, so. that starts us off um uh, yeah, Tennessee, Florida, which this year Florida wins easily, um, but same time Michigan versus Wisconsin, number eleven Michigan versus number thirteen Wisconsin. This one has title
1: concerns on it with Big Ten. Like this is this this means something. This is something Big Blue fans don't want to hear, but this has Wisconsin rolling them written all over it since harbaugh came back to michigan they've been super good against 90 percent of the teams minus ohio state and wisconsin really yeah like they just struggle against these must-win games and honestly honestly i think jonathan taylor's gonna either have a field day on them or they're gonna spend so much time locking him up that the quarterback's just gonna pick him apart and wisconsin's gonna control the game like 20 to 14 shea patterson's pretty good but i don't think he's been what they hoped he'd be honestly Exactly. And, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I think Jonathan
0: Taylor just has an absolute fill day on Michigan. And if he doesn't, that quarterback's good enough to hit a wide open receiver, you know, six out of 10 times. And, it, and if, I'll take that six out of 10 times over Michigan's Shea Patterson. If Michigan could
1: lock up or contain Jonathan Taylor without basically putting 13 in the box, then it gets interesting. But this just, yeah. I'm going to take Wisconsin on this one comfortably. Like a. 24 to 14 24 to 21 type game
0: yeah and then taking the cbs sec game of the week moving on from the michigan game is auburn versus texas a&m number eight auburn number 17 a&m we all know where my my loyalties lie i'm sticking with auburn um but it is a real big question mark for me is whether or not auburn is legit we've seen we've seen what texas
1: a&m did against clemson they didn't really show up but they didn't play terribly I think so. they're just a competitive team, honestly. They're like the Bengals in the NFL we talked about. They'll compete with a lot of these teams, but I don't think they're really a threat to beat these teams. It's going to be a close score because Auburn just can't get out of its own way sometimes on offense. But I think this has an Auburn comfortable win as well. I don't know what the score, I can't really think of a score, but I think Auburn yeah. will have most, their defense will control the game until the offense gets clicking. a and pretty good, they're just not that good. They're going to be a bold team, but they're not going to be a playoff contender. Yeah,
0: I, I, I do think this is where the moment where Auburn, if Auburn wins big over A and do think they kind of cement themselves in this conversation. If they win big, it's a but, whole different conversation with the the S C C. It gets really dirty there with yeah. they win big. It gets it, yeah, exactly. The the top two gets really tight into the top three then. Um but yeah, it's if they don't, if it's a close game, um, it just goes to show you just how competitive A and M can be. Exactly. Uh-huh. I didn't think they had the talent, just I don't think they can get over that hump. Exactly. Um, and then a the team, this is not really a big game, but there's a team nobody's really talking about that is out of the Power 5 conferences. But I think teams need to start recognizing UCF versus Pitt. UCF is legit, and Pitt's not a bad team either. So if they can go, in, if they can go into Pittsburgh and, and win comfortably again like they did in Stanford... I think UCF might have that conversation as well. They're still out. you know still outside of the top top
1: or they're at the top fifteen, at fifteen. So UCF, I think they just haven't quite had that breakthrough win to be like, okay, here we are, we have arrived. I don't know if Pitt's that team, but it gets them a lot closer, especially how Pitt played against Penn State last week. So yeah, I think if UCF could could just continue to keep the train rolling. This is a this could be a good step closer to that breaking through sort of thing, kind of like Boise State back in the day, finally breaking through and beating Oklahoma. Absolutely, exactly. That Sugar Bowl was, or
0: not uh, the Tostitos Fiesta Bowl. Yeah. That's what it was. The Statue of Liberty. Never yeah. forget Zimbrowski. That's who it was. Yeah, but sorry, we're reminiscing this now. We're getting getting carried away. Uh, but yeah, in the closeout tonight, there's two two big games on the docket to close out the night. Uh, unranked Oklahoma State at three 0 which by the way, I don't know how they're still unranked. Um, they're playing out of their mind good right now. And then Texas at two and one, ranked number twelve. Well, if they beat Texas, they'll be ranked real quickly yeah. after that. And this also determines for Texas: can
1: they keep their bowl, they, Can they keep their championship, their playoff hopes alive? Because I uh, mean, just losing to LSU that sucks, but I don't think that kills your chances. You just no, need a little bit yeah. of help down the road. But
0: yeah, you, I mean, honestly, if you lose to LSU and LSU wins out, LSU has a top ten difficulty of schedule. They're going to be in the playoffs. So your your one loss is to a playoff team. Okay, Texas, you get a good nod over a lot of teams right there. Exactly, because like that would leave Alabama and Auburn both with a loss, plus an SEC championship lot, uh, loss to Georgia. So, and that's if they didn't already lose another one in the, early in the season. So it's possible, you know, Texas can sneak their way in there. But on the flip side of
1: this, Oklahoma State might put themselves into a conversation. For they might the want they might want to jump up on that because they weren't really even – it's clearly Oklahoma and Texas were the top two teams in the Big 12. Iowa State was the third-ranked team coming in. Oklahoma State was an afterthought. Iowa State's a little rough to start the year. Oklahoma's Oklahoma Oklahoma. Yeah. And Texas, Texas. I mean, they're what we expected. Who can be that third team? Can someone else take that spot from Iowa State? Or can Oklahoma State say, nah, it's an Oklahoma conference now? Exactly. You know, it's,
0: there's something about Oklahoma State where they have a quiet offseason – And they're like usually quote unquote rebuilding their team. We saw when Mason Rudolph came into Oklahoma State that next season. Good luck stopping them. Like this team is it's under the radar, and Mike Mike Gundy has him, you know, flying high. Mullet has him flying high. Yeah,
1: I don't know how he does it. They weirdly have to take like a couple years off between being good. I mean, we saw like Zach Robinson and was it. Des Bryant, yep. then take a couple years off. Brandon Wien, and Justin Blackman take some time off, and now we see them this year. We even saw them with James Washington a little bit and Mason Rudolph. Like. Yeah.
0: So, And then the biggest game of the night after that Texas game, starting 30 minutes after the Texas game starts, number seven Notre Dame traveling to Athens, Georgia, to play the number three-ranked Bulldogs. What a doozy. Exactly. Early season playoff game. I mean, this is this, – could have been a playoff matchup a couple years ago i uh, honestly this is two teams getting to take their playoff frustration out on each other this is going to be an old hard hard nose you know brian kelly is going to get his team going for this i don't know if notre dame has the strength to stick with georgia we've seen you know we've seen notre dame get blown out by sec teams
1: many a time before i think notre dame is really fundamentally sound we see it with their offensive linemen they've just come into the league the last 10 years I don't know too much about these offensive linemen. They have some pretty good ones, I imagine, coming out. But they just don't have the skill positions, honestly. Like, their quarterback situation is not going to match up with Georgia's athletes. The running backs, receivers, they just can't match up on the outside or with the speed. So, I unfortunately, as much as I kind of want to see Notre Dame, I want to see a team like that, especially a traditional powerhouse, come back into light a little bit, make up for past... I don't want to say butt whoopings, but ba- basically yeah, past, past destruction. Yeah, butt whoopings. <laughs> I don't think this is the team to do it against. I think it's going to get ugly, and I think it's going to stay ugly like 35-21, but that's because Notre Dame is going to score twice in the fourth yeah. quarter or something. I think it's going to be a.
0: You know, you mentioned you mentioned the quarterback situation for Notre Dame. For me, the quarterback, Jake Fromm, for Georgia, really determines how this game goes. If he comes out and he plays lights out and he game manages like he's supposed to. We love game managers <laughs> on this podcast. We I, We will keep saying it. Uh, at least I do. You know, I want to. I want to see a game manager win some games when he needs to. Jake Fromm has that ability, but if he gets erratic and starts panicking and throwing the ball when he doesn't need to, and not and holding the ball fast and loose basically, and a lot of turnovers happen, wouldn't be surprised if Notre Dame can sneak one out in Athens.
1: Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but it's dependent on Jake Fromm. This is definitely the game of the week. Like we talked about last week, a bunch of the games were meh. Yeah. besides of course like the lsu texas game that was like the only one that stuck out but this one this is the one this is why we watch college football like these are the ones we like to see at the end of the year the where yeah. stuff matters like this is actually this isn't like an nba game like game 42 or something like that no exactly this is this is like nfl week 15 this is sort of thing this is the last 10 games of mlb season
0: this is you know this is the beginning of conference play for college this is the best time ever
1: exactly this so. is gonna be this is gonna be fun I'm still picking Georgia pretty comfortably, but I hope Notre Dame can make it a game and prove me wrong there. I hope it's a, I hope it's a fun back-and-forth game, and I hope it doesn't kill either one of their playoff chances, honestly.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, honestly, I think if Notre Dame loses, they, they're out. Pretty I, much, I, yeah. I don't think they can bounce back after that. I mean, you just lost to Georgia. Like, I'm not taking anything away from Georgia. I'm just saying Notre Dame has proven before they can't beat an SEC team. If they can't beat them again, well, let's not even throw them into it at that point, you know. it's exactly. kind of probably going to be the consideration, so... Uh, but, yeah, I'm with you. I have Georgia winning this. I just – I don't see a way where they don't unless
1: Jake Fromm throws the game.
0: Basically, yeah, or yeah.
1: unless Notre Dame has something special inside their souls that comes bursting out and they take it to them right away. But and the inner the inner kid in me who grew up a Notre Dame fan is like, go Irish. But <laughs> the, the,
0: the sane, normal person in me who knows and watches football all the time it's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> I'm going to need you to <laughs> shut up, little kid. Like, here's you, your candy. Shut up. You stay away from the casino with that money, seriously. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, that's that's what we got to look forward to this
1: weekend in football. Um, anything standing out to you? Anything you want to say, add to it? Not a whole lot. We had a UFC event this last weekend. Cowboy Cerrone, Justin Gaethje, two exciting guys. Gaethje with an explosive first-round finish. He's got to be in contention for that next title shot after Tony Ferguson and Khabib throw down. He's right in line for it, so that's kind of the big one. Him and Connor would be a fun fight. It was actually supposedly agreed to before Connor broke his hand. That'd be a fun one because Connor's a specialist at killing people, where Justin Gaethje is the ultimate Terminator. He's literally Homer Simpson, basically. Yeah. I think that'd be a fun fight. Hopefully it works out. That's kind of the big one. Some big fights coming up, but nothing really to touch on this week. It's a football week this week. It's the college football, NFL. I can't wait. Oh yeah, absolutely
0: and, and just a reminder If anybody sees a High Low Podcast t-shirt In Atlanta It'll be me We'll be hanging out Come see us uh, Well, it'll just be me DJ will be Hanging out somewhere else But yeah We'll, we'll see what's going on But yeah If you're a fan of the show If you see it Let us know But that does it for us this week And until next week Have a good one <laughs>